Good evening, Gasful Baptist Church. It's good to see you on another Wednesday evening. It's sort of cold and praise God for the rain. No ice, no snow. That's always a good thing. Uh, tonight I wanted to look at Joshua. The main text would be chapter 3, Joshua chapter 3, and the lesson is entitled Never Before. Never Before. So let's begin with Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It tells us, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Notice, do not come near it, uh, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. And they took up the ark and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will exalt you, or begin to exalt you, in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priests to bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water, you shall stand in the Jordan. The next few verses, Joshua calls the people together, the leadership together. He tells them what God is going to do. And uh, then in verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you. Take for yourselves, and they take the 12 men, and one from every tribe, and they're going to uh, uh, gather the stones. But he says, as soon as the ark the priest's feet hit the water. The Jordan, which is at overflowing, always at this time of year during the harvest time, is going to heap up. And it tells us that it did exactly that in the next few verses, all the way back to the city called Adama, uh, upstream. All right? And so that's what happened. And it says, then the priest, at the last verse, in verse 17, then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had passed completely over the Jordan. Let's pray. Father, uh, when we come to rivers that are, seem to be uncrossable, when we come to places where we can't make headway in our lives, when we come to uh, those things that confuse us, we want to have the faith to just let you handle those situations. And Lord, when we come to those places where we've never been before, maybe we never imagine ourselves in that circumstance, we ask that your Holy Spirit will guide us and protect us. Guide us in your word now. And Lord, let us learn from it. Let us apply it to our, with our faith, to our hearts, and to our lives. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You know, it, it, it seems like our nation has bad news on every hand. I mean, if you think about it, we have more hurricanes hitting the 
the Gulf Coast. We have more fires raging in the west. We have more storms uh, coming across the middle. Uh, the east coast is just inundated with all kinds of things. And uh, then we have a, 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 a pandemic called COVID-19 uh, killing folks across our land. Uh, we have social justice uh, injustice and social violence because of the injustice that just seems to be rampant. Um, you know, we could go on. We have we have a, a, an election coming up very soon that rather than bringing us together as a people, no matter who wins the election, will be very divisive and very contentious. And that isn't the way that our land is supposed to function and work. And I don't care which side of the fence you're on, uh, we're supposed to uh, support those that God has placed in leadership above us. Now, we're in places where I never I'd thought I'd see the day that we would be like this. And I'm not very old, but others that I talk to that are 15, 20 years older than me have never seen anything like this. None of these things in such succession that are hitting that God is showing that he's the one that's in control. God is showing us that he's the one that knows the way. We need to draw near to him because we've never been that way before. And the truth of this lesson is very simple. God is faithful wherever he leads us if we're faithful to follow. God is faithful wherever he leads us, leads us if we will be faithful to follow. So what do we understand about what is being taught in Joshua? First of all, these people were called to remember their past. That's in chapter one. We didn't read that. Chapter one could be summed up by these words. He kept telling Joshua, be strong and of good courage in verse six. Uh, in verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Uh, verse nine, be strong and of good courage. The last uh, verse in the chapter, the people tell Joshua, they'll follow him, uh, only be strong and of good courage. And so it wasn't based on who Joshua was, but on who they knew God was. In the midst of all that's going on, you and I are called to be strong and of good courage because our God is faithful in the midst of all these circumstances to lead us as we follow him. And so be strong and good courage and faithful wherever he happens to lead us. But they need to remember their past. They'd come out of Egypt. God had led them out with 10 mighty plagues. They didn't even have to fight a battle. He helped them to cross the Red Sea and buried the Egyptians who tried to follow them. They need to remember their past that they had rejected God's word. They had rejected God's ways time and time again, but he was faithful not to destroy them until the very time they went to enter the promised land and the 10 spies brought back a bad report and only Joshua and Caleb brought back a good report. And for that, they had to circle and circle and wander that wilderness, that painstaking problem until every one of that generation except Joshua and Caleb died. And then to top it all off, Moses struck the rock and brought glory to himself rather than to God because he was angry and he died too. But God was faithful and then he appointed a new leader, Joshua. And he was going to be with him just as he'd been 
with Moses. His faithfulness went on and on. When they were without water, he provided water from a rock. Uh, when they were without food, he provided manna. Heaven's bread come down. Just enough for every day. And then the day before the Sabbath, when they weren't supposed to gather it, they could gather enough for two days. If they did that before the Sabbath, it got worms. It stank. It rotted. But God was faithful. He gave them quail. All right? He fulfilled his promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And now he's made promises to Joshua. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. No one will be able to stand before you in that chapter one. They were called on to remember their past. We need to remember our past, how God has worked in our lives, how he saved us, how he has guided us, how he's given us his Holy Spirit, how he's given us his word and the different uh, circumstances, the different problems that we've had and how God has always been there for us. Not only for us in general, but for Christians around the world, uh, for his people. God is always there. He leads us, and then he's faithful to be with us. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He promised he'd work all things together for good to those that love him. And sometimes we can't imagine being where we are right now. Maybe you've had a health diagnosis. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost a loved one. And you could not imagine just a, a short time ago being where you're at right now. But God hasn't forsaken you. He still loves you and I in the midst of these circumstances, in the midst of our country. He's calling us back to repentance. He's calling us back to encourage him anew. He is still the same faithful God. We need to remember our past. As a nation, we really need to remember our past, how faithful he's been to us from the start of it to the present day. And I could list a lot of different things, but time is short. So remember your past, fellow Christian fellow church member. The second thing is recognize their present. In Joshua th chapter three, they were recognized their present. He said, you're going to camp here for three days. After that, you're going to get up. The ark is going to lead you. All right. The ark, you're going to keep a couple thousand cubits distance between you. And I thought, well, why? Well, what did the ark represent? Okay. First of all, it represented God's presence. Yes, they had the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, but the ark was the footstool of God among them. It was in their sanctuary, the, the, the tabernacle of meeting. It was where Moses met with God and got instruction. It was where uh, Joshua would continue that. It, it was where they could see it. They'd never been that way. We need direction too. And you see, God's direction was only good as they were willing to follow. And if they had that kind, of, they could see the priests and the ark out there in front. They knew the way to go. God's word and his Holy Spirit shows us the way to go. What to do. Which direction to turn. And as they're headed for this swollen, uncrossable river, they had to see what God was going to do. Because as soon as the feet of the priests hit the water, it dried up. It heaped up way upstream. And they all crossed over, over a million people, a lot of scholars think, crossed over on dry land as the priest held the ark. So it represented the presence of God, but, but also remember, it, it represented God's power. God had been with them all this time, showing them his mighty works. And so they would not doubt, so they'd know that he was still the God of all gods, the one true God in all the world. He stopped the Jordan River from overflowing. His reminiscence of him parting the Red Sea 
they too would cross over on dry land. And so it represented God's presence, God's power, but ultimately it represented God's purpose for his people. Now, the purpose was they would know God. It, 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 the ark represents a type of Christ, all right, where they would come and the, the priest once a year would sprinkle on the mercy seat the offering, the blood for the forgiveness of sins for the whole nation, for each one individually and for the whole nation. And Christ was the one who, who on the cross uh, literally shed his blood for us so we could experience God's mercy. Not what we deserved. Okay, but God's grace, his mercy, his loving kindness. It represented his purpose for his people and for us. And so they were to follow that heart, to follow Christ, to follow God. And remember the power, the presence, the purpose of God. And then I was captivated by the little phrase in Jeremiah chapter 3, when it talks about where they're going and what God's going to do. Not just the miracle of drying up the Jordan, but it says in verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. See, it wasn't a continuing circle in the wilderness anymore. They were on new ground. It wasn't just walking around accomplishing anything. God intended them to cross over into the promised land at long last. It wasn't just the same old, same old. This was something different. They didn't know what way to go. They had to depend upon God. You and I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds and neither do you. But God does. Think of it this way. My father-in-law used to remind me of this quite a bit. See, we don't know the way because we've never been there. But God has already walked in all of our sunrises and all of our sunsets. He is the God of past, present, and future at the same time. He knows it all. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Okay? He knows it all. He's all-powerful. He, he is everywhere. But he's walked the sunrises we have yet to see and the sunsets we have yet to experience. Even the ultimate one, when we die unless Jesus comes back. And so when he says you haven't been that way before, it talks about dependence. For you and I as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to depend on leading us and we have the word of God before us to read so that he can direct us. For us, it means a daily time of communion with God so we learn his voice what it sounds like, and how to respond to him. And somebody said, you're, you're listening to inner voices. No, it's inside. It's, 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 sometimes it's an impression. Sometimes it's a, it's a different, definite little small, still voice. That just a little bit, but you know when you experience God. And we need to ask, are we paying attention to that? Do we start our day that way? It says in, in chapter 1 or chapter 3, verse 3, that Joshua got up early in the morning. All through the book of Joshua, we see him getting up early in the morning to pray, to spend time with God, to get direction. That's what we need, especially during these times. And that's where they were in the present. They were getting ready to cross the promised land. Now think about it. It was exciting. It's finally going to happen. The promise is going to be fulfilled. But it's scary because they've never been that way before. We're going to experience things we've never 
experienced before. Never thought I'd see a pandemic. Who wants to hear and learn about a pandemic? Who wants to know about social distancing? Who wants to know all the terms that we have learned during this time? Not me. Don't ever want to experience this again, Lord, if you can help it. But it's still okay because God is faithful wherever he leads us and whatever he allows to come into our life through his love, he is faithful. Do we understand that? It's where we are right now with all the social injustice, the social violence, with uh, cantankerous people on both sides of the aisle with an election coming up. We should be praying God sends a revival because that's the hope of our nation. That's not going to be a political thing. That's going to be a personal thing between us and Jesus Christ. Only he can change men's hearts. We can't. It happens as we, under his leadership, share the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're made new creatures just like that right before us. That's our job. That's our present. The third thing that I see, and we'll close, look at their future. In chapter 3, beginning with verse 13, and going through verse 17, it says that the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant went before the people, and verse 15 says, And those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, and the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of harvest, so it's harvest time, that the waters which came down from then stood still and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, fell and were cut off, and the people opposite Jericho went over. And then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground, in the midst of the Jordan, all Israel crossed on dry ground until the people had completely crossed over. What an event. Now, chapter 5 uh, talks about the second generation being circumcised. They observed Passover again, okay, on the 14th day of the month at twilight. And they ate the produce of the land after Passover unleavened bread and parched grain that very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan, the promised land. Joshua goes on, he falls down and worships after all this and says, what now, Lord? That's my translation. You can read it out of Joshua chapter five. Their future. See, they finally into the promised land, no more manna, and no more wondering about where they're headed, no more wondering about when they're going to get there, no more wondering about if God's still going to be faithful, or that's what it should have been. God is faithful wherever he leads them through this whole book. They just required to follow. That's what we're required. We live in a land that is not a Christian nation anymore, no matter what anybody wants to say. And instead of dreading it, hear me, church, instead of dreading it, we should embrace the time, the times that God has allowed us to live in. We live in a time when there's spiritual hunger. It might not be spiritual hunger for Christ, but it's spiritual hunger and we're to present Jesus. We live in a time where there might be some persecution for churches and for Christians, but that's okay because the church has always done better in times of persecution. Christian strength has always been made stronger in times when things didn't go well for us than in times of ease and lackadaisical stuff. 
It's time to live out our Christianity. The biggest problem of the church is people think we're irrelevant because we haven't lived out the gospel. They don't see Christians being Christians. When they do, they want to know Jesus. Quit blaming the younger generation on the way things are and look to our own house, our own selves. Have we been what God called us to do? Has it always been had to be our way? Has it been looking out for our family rather than the lost and the communities where we live? We need to have some, answer some tough questions, but our future is still to be with Jesus. Our future is still to serve him until he calls us home. Our future is still to be led by him until that glorious day that we either die and we see our Savior face to face or we hear the trump and God comes back one final time. Hallelujah. Get excited. It's positive. And that doesn't mean a positive COVID test. It means it's positive. We live in the very time God intended us to live. Embrace it. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Be strong because the Lord is with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. Good news, church. We're right where God intends us to be. He's been so faithful through this whole time, not only with our health, but with our finances, with people still being uh, wanting to come. God has been faithful. He's helped our church survive so far, and he will till the day he comes back, if we're willing to follow where he leads us. So what does the future hold? I don't know. But the old saying that everybody says is just a trite little saying is true. I don't want, know what tomorrow holds, as the song says, but I know who holds tomorrow. As Paul said, I am persuaded and convinced that he is able to guard that which I've committed unto him against that day. Good news, church. Let's pray. Father, help us to realize that you're faithful. Help us not to act fearful, but to act with you. Lord, it doesn't mean that we don't wear masks. It doesn't mean that we don't social distance. It means that we trust you to keep us well, but you've given us responsibilities to live up to in the midst of that, and we're going to do that. And Father, help our church to grow and be strengthened, even during this time. And Father, give us creative ways of, of spreading the gospel, whether it's uh, by print or through these videos that Galen so wonderfully does for us. And Father, just bless our church, bless our Christian brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering. Be with them as they are being persecuted. Deliver their families, protect them, watch over them. Continue to protect our church, continue to protect those that are in the military or the police or the firemen or the EMTs, the doctors, the nurses on the front lines. And Lord, in the midst of this and their busyness, they might be afraid, but lead them to you. Let them come to know you. Holy Spirit, work in a mighty way. Bring a revival to our land and to the world. Father, let you will be done in Christ's name. Amen. Good night, church. We'll see you next time.